0: Hi, I'm Ben. Hi, I'm Rob. We've been mates since we met at drama school in 2004. We're both actors, and for the last ten years we've been working in
1: all sorts of productions, from small fringe shows to big arena tours. We love the theatre, so we thought we would make a podcast to bring you a series of inspiring conversations with interesting people from the world of theatre.
0: So this is our podcast. Welcome to Inside the West End.
1: Inside the West End, with Ben Morris and Rob Copeland. Thank you for downloading episode 17 of Inside the West End.
0: Follow us on Twitter at Inside West End, or if you want to contact us, then email
1: InsideTheWestEnd at gmail.com. Coming up, we speak to a man who over the last few years has become one of the big stars of the West End, Geronimo Rauch. Geronimo was the Phantom when I was on the show. Before that, he was playing Jean Valjean in Les Mis. Uh, yeah, he's basically played all the roles I wanted to play when I was growing up. Yeah, me too, actually. Selfish, a bit. Selfish, yeah.
0: Anyway, we spoke to Geronimo at his house last year. This is actually one of the first interviews that we've done. Uh, so forgive our interview technique. We hadn't developed it by then. <laughs> uh, so we popped down to his house and heard all about him growing up in Buenos Aires. And here's the chat we had.
2: My name is Geronimo Raud, and you're listening to Inside the Western.
1: Tell us about the young Geronimo growing up in Buenos Aires?
2: Well, my father is um, uh, an obstetrician, Mm -hmm. gynecologist, and uh, my mother uh, has been a um, casting agent, TV producer, and now is my agent. My second sister is an actress, and my brother is an actor, so. What's your first memory then of music where you
0: went, that's inspiring me? The
2: first time I heard uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm. And I heard it, and I was blown away. How old
1: would you say you were?
2: Uh, nine years old, mm. maybe? And were you
0: singing at this point? I mean, was me, or were you playing any other instruments?
2: No, 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 no. For me, music was uh, my escape, but as a listener, yeah. not as a performer.
1: I want to talk to you about your degree in advertising.
2: <laughs> do you want me to tell you that my first career, because yeah. I had two, I was studying medicine. I, w- I was so afraid of really becoming a singer, a professional singer, that I decided to do other, other stuff. And my father said, okay, do you, want to, do you want to be a doctor? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Well, why don't you come to a cesarean? Oh my, to watch a cesarean? Yes. Live? Yes. Oh. So he asked the, uh, his, his patient and she agreed and I was there. So I saw how the baby was being born and everything and suddenly baby was with a with nurse and my father said, okay, look, look inside. You, there, those are the in- intestines and these is the lungs. You can see the lungs from there. And I suddenly was like, oh, feeling dizzy. <laughs> uh, it was horrible, but that was a shock. Yeah, he did it on purpose, I think, for for me to realize that that was not my option. So I quit <laughs> instantly. I went the other day and said, "I am not coming back. Mm, Sorry, yeah. this is not my my first option." Really, was uh, to study advertising, and I did three years of advertising while I was continuing. Learning, uh, singing, having
1: singing lessons and... Your first professional job was Les Mis in Argentina. How did that come about?
2: The first big musical they did in Argentina from from outside Broadway or West End musical was Beauty and the Beast and the second one was Les Mis. And I was 20, 20 something, 20. No, no, no. Um, experience at all. And 4,000 people auditioned mm. for The Miss. Wow. It was an open audition. And uh, yeah, I, I, I just got the part and I realised that this this is what I wanted to
1: do. And you're plunged into the professional environment for the first time. You're in the ensemble uh, playing three you uh, covering Marius and Algeria—that's a lot of responsibility. Mm-hmm. How did you find the professional environment for the first time?
2: Well, I had very good mentors. We we had Ken Caswell and David White. Mm-hmm. They were originally created team at, at this point here in, in the West End, so we had it fresh from from the West End, um, and also Mariano Detri who who also came here and was resident director of Le Mis. Um, so I, I, I really consider that moment as uh, my college, my, yeah. my real experience learning and learning the dynamics of, of musical theatre and how it works. Yeah. And you went from being
0: ensemble and covering two big parts in Les Miserables to winning pop stars and becoming a multi-platinum selling artist.
2: Yeah, that's- well, at, at first I did something. I did duty in Greece. Right. In between both. yes mm-hmm. uh, But still, that's a huge leap. I mean, duty
0: is a, a, a great part in Greece. But even if you're playing Danny in Greece, to go from that
2: to becoming, mm-hmm. I mean, famous throughout the country you live in, that's... That was insane. Insanely beautiful, insanely scary. Mm-hmm. Um, I was playing a game, pretending to be a star do you know Uh, you need you needed to play it or or you'll die Um, but suddenly from being known only by my family to work with security was like whoa to be honest um, fame is is very hard to digest if you're being famous for something that you are not so you, you said you were, you
0: felt like you were playing a game.
2: I was playing a game but I I'm still in Argentina known as Mambrú not as Jerónimo mm. and uh, it's been uh, almost 10 years since
1: we dissolved. Mambrú ends in 2005, you yeah. go solo. You start uh, writing your own music. Mm-hmm. Um after Mambrú
2: I I was working on my solo album and the record label I was speaking to, they only wanted me to be like the typical Latin romantic singer. And I'm not that. <laughs> um, so I was trying to write my songs, and, but I, we couldn't really make it happen. And a friend of mine, who who's a director, musical theatre director, called me and he said, Look, we are going to buy the rights of Jesus Christ Superstar um, for three concerts. and." we want you to play Jesus. I know you're going to say no, but I, I needed to try. And I said, let's do it. Let's do it. And it was the best choice I ever done, made. Uh, also at that point, I think it was February 2007, I auditioned for Spain mm. for Jesus Christ Superstar. I never heard anything back from, from them. So I said, okay, this is done. I need to do it at least once in my life. Jesus, this is perfect. So I said yes to the production in Argentina. Sold out the three shows. Mm. It was incredible.
1: And uh, yeah, we recorded a video and that changed my life. And before you got to that, I would imagine between 2005 and 2007, there must have been some pretty dark periods. where Very. A real come down. How did you cope with that? Because... As performers, we constantly have highs and lows, so how dark did it get? It was uh,
2: maybe my worst professional moment, Uh, that was low, Uh, I was thinking on quitting. Uh, Every door I knocked at that point was closed because the image of my brew was so strong that no one was giving me a chance even as an actor to to do a role. because they didn't want their product to be um,
1: matched with Mamboor, and uh... at this point you're 29, uh, you know the late 20s, early 30s period is a huge dropout point. Yeah. For artists, regardless of what you do. Mm-hmm. How did you power through? Why did you keep going? I think
2: it's just something in in your guts. Yeah. That tells you there's something going to happen. Don't quit. Uh, prepare yourself. Continue training. I was, I was thinking on getting again you know, a normal job and and trying to get some money to survive. <laughs>
0: what I mean, when you talk about getting a normal job. What did you consider? I, I did a lot of
2: jobs, uh, crazy jobs. I name a few. Um, I sold cheese. <laughs> I I mean,
0: I expected it to be eclectic,
2: but I didn't expect it to be this varied. You sold cheese. Cheese. uh, in. I had a, like, catalogue, so I was calling people and trying to sell cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Were you cold calling people, saying, would you like some cheese? Yeah, well, I started (laughs) looking for contacts first, people I knew, and then they will give me more contacts and whatever. Yeah, horrible. I was terrible. Telemarketing. I was a telemarketer selling a, a bank products. Uh, oof, my God, I have so many. Because we all, we've all had this moment as performers. Well, my first professional paid job on a stage was being a gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> I was gorilla mummy, mom, m- mummy gorilla. I had a gorilla like this. And... Um, uh, <laughs> and i did it uh, uh, on one of the best theaters in in argentina and and it's funny because th- 3 years later i was singing as mamroot there yeah. but my first experience in that theater was gorilla mama so you go from you go from this doing jesus christ superstar you're doing three
0: performances three concert performances yes and then from out the blue well, seemingly out of the blue, you are contacted by the production in Spain, mm-hmm. who you had previously auditioned for in February. Yeah, and not
2: i not gone. heard anything. The thing is, and I really owe this guy a big favor. The the Jesus, the original Jesus of Madrid. Yeah, um, he decided to quit three months later. Suddenly, they were desperate to find a new Jesus. And they see you on YouTube. And they see me, the guy who was playing Pedro, uh, Peter in in English. (laughs) Um, He was Marius with me at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, He was Marius and he was playing in Spain, Peter. And he said, he showed the video to Judas. Judas showed it to the MD, the MD to, company and then they called me they said we need to audition this guy and the rest is history
1: hope you're enjoying the conversation stay with us and we'll be back to the chat in a moment make sure you subscribe to our podcast we release a new episode every week and if you're subscribed it'll just appear on your device ready for you to listen to it's easy to subscribe If you've got an
0: iPhone, next to the logo of our show, you'll see a little settings wheel that looks a bit like a cog. Click on that. A few options down, it says subscribe. Or if you're using an Android phone, then on the Podbean app, next to our logo, it just says subscribe there. And the best part is, it's completely
1: free. Make sure you stay tuned right to the end of this episode and you'll hear a clip of who's on next week's show. Now back to the chat with Geronimo. They fly you to Spain. Yeah. You play Jesus. It goes great. How long does Superstar run for?
2: Well, in Madrid, it was... I arrived in December 2007, and we closed in June 2008, and then we went on
1: tour for a year and a half uh, around Spain. So, once Jesus Christ Superstar finishes, um, your next job is Mary Sunshine in Chicago. Yeah. Um, But... but, (laughs) What's more interesting about that period is that you start to retrain. Yeah. Why?
2: It was a very hard role and I was singing in a very anti-natural way. But when I auditioned, um, Gareth Valentine was our musical supervisor. He said, okay, look, he has, he has the notes and everything, but he needs to study classical singing because he needs to work on that. I I, I came from Jesus Christ Superstar, so I, I had the falsetto and everything, but I needed to make it beautiful. <clears throat> so I uh, he said he needs to study classical singing. And I went to these two masters that I
1: found in Madrid and that changed my life. Suso and Edelmiro. Yep. And so what were the main differences that you found when you started studying classical? Uh, there was parts
2: of my body that I didn't use, and it's mainly the the mask the um, bones of of the face the resonance on in in the head um yeah there's a lot a lot to learn from from classical training it's beautiful it's very hard and very frustrating and you start from zero and and also I need discipline i was a guy before that it was a guy who I was I I wasn't reading properly, so I didn't know uh, how to sing properly, uh, uh, an opera, and that was so frustrating. So frustrating. You start cl-
0: training classically, and shortly after you get cast as Jean Valjean. Yes, I'm guessing that's not a coincidence. You must have opened up a part of your voice there, which is pushes this. This is a big a big change.
2: Yeah, but it also. There was this rumor of 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 Lemis coming back to Spain, and and I started preparing myself. Even though no one said anything, yeah, I I was already focused on on getting Jean Valjean. So yeah, in a way, uh, classically singing gave me this tools to even with thirty two years old could, I could play Jean Valjean.
0: And when you're playing Jean Valjean, you have. The moment, which I think every performer dreams of, of being spotted and in, invited to take the role to London. Yeah, tell us about that. That's a, that's a huge turning point again.
2: Yeah, that's a beautiful turning point. And um, to be honest, it's uh, Cameron since he saw me um, rehearsing. I, 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 I met him personally, I said, thank you, thank you very much for trusting me for the role. And he said, I al- always believed in you. And I was like, sorry? And he said, yeah, since the beginning you were my... Because he sees all the audition process, he's aware of everything. All the videos, they are sent to him to... And I would have loved to, to know that at the beginning, because I... I suffered so much in in the audition process but so he said to me that he, he believed in me for for Spain since the beginning and in the opening night of Madrid he asked Kriski uh, how how how's his English does he have good English and Kriski is the resident director yeah on Lemmy's London yes yeah. and associate director in, right. in Spain of okay. the new production and uh, that's that was that question left open uh, with no answer, and until he came back in Barcelona to see the show, and he said to me that I was I grew up with the character so much and blah 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 blah, and and yeah, he asked Krzysztof to audition me. So you,
0: as I said, you have this moment, and you're invited to play the role in London, but yes. in the process of this, you have a period of time with your, at this point, young family where you, whilst your visa's clearing, you have to spend some time in Ireland? Yes! <laughs> I mean, so how long were you in Ireland? So you were literally in Ireland, waiting for your visa to clear so you can come to London. Yes. And at this point, is it in the bag? Are you definitely playing Valjean
2: or are you in Ireland? Yes, 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 I was already uh, hired, yeah, I, I, I was, one day late in rehearsals because right. because I wasn't in in Ireland. So tell us about that period in Ireland. What 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 did you get up? The to? thing is that um, when they really offered me um, the part, and then I came here to audition in, with Tam Mutu to see if we, we were good together, and uh, finally Tam, thank God, he got the part, and we made it like such a good couple on stage, and. I, I, my passport needed to uh, to have like at least seven months to you know how visas work. Yeah. And, and so I lost my appointment in, in Madrid in the uh, British Embassy. So the closest we could get was the Irish Embassy. While we were there, the system collapsed. So visas, all the passports were retained and no visas were given, so I, I was hoping, I was. Expected to go five days, and then I stayed like fifteen days there. And it's raining every day. It's raining every day. My wife was pregnant. She was like, "Uh, "What are we doing here? What can we do now?" (laughs) We knew Dublin, every corner of Dublin already. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was a lovely experience. Yeah, in a hotel room in in Dublin.
1: You come to London. You uh, you play Valjean. Um, It's a great acclaim. and uh, you're now playing Phantom. And so you're at the pinnacle of the, the career that most people who aspire for a career in, in musical theatre aim for. And a lot of people would say that you have star quality, that you've got uh, a natural-born instinct, a, a timbre in your voice, a personality that, that translates on stage. Do you think that's something that you're born with or something that you can learn? Is that something... Maybe maybe the ups and highs and lows in my life made that
2: happen. Do you know? Because um, every time I go on stage I remember that. Where I come from and uh, how much I respect the audience. How much I respect my colleagues and how much I respect the people who trust me for a role. Uh, who give me the responsibility. To, to to carry like big role like Valjean or Phantom. And also when I was uh, in moving to Madrid to play Jesus, Stephen Rain who's also uh, an English director, said to me, you are the example, you are the mirror for everyone else to look at. And it was like, come on, please, I just arrived from, from argentina don't (laughs) give me that pressure pressure but it's something that always stayed in my in my head to know if 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 i give the wrong example then the rest is allowed to do the same
0: you have retrained you have refocused you have pushed yourself forward would you say retraining and that focus is that is that part of what's needed
2: do you I just believe that we we change um, genetically and we get older and our voices change and we don't need to be settled, never feel safe Mm -hmm. as an artist. It's horrible to feel safe because you will lose it
1: huge thank you to Geronimo for taking the time to come and speak to us he was as Rob mentioned earlier our first ever guest on the podcast
0: we didn't even have a microphone when we came up with this idea but Geronimo said no problem come round to my house. I've got my own little microphone and digital studio there. We recorded it at his. uh,
1: So Geronimo really appreciate that support. has now moved back to Spain and he's recording his own album called Here, There and Everywhere. You can get more information on that by visiting geronimorauch.com so make sure you check that out. We'd love you to get in contact with us. We're on Twitter at Inside West End. We would also love you to keep
0: sharing our episodes online or by word of mouth. Both go a really long way, so
1: keep it going. Remember to stay tuned to the very end for a clip of the next episode. But before that, we make this podcast for free. If you've enjoyed it and you'd like to help us make future episodes, then here's how you can. Next time you shop online with Amazon, visit
0: insidethewestend.com first. Click on any of the Amazon adverts on our site. It will take you straight to Amazon. Your shopping will cost you exactly the same as normal, but Amazon will give
1: us a small kickback as a thank you. Also on InsideTheWestEnd.com, you'll see a donate button. If you'd like to make a direct contribution... Then click on the button and follow the link. Now, as promised, we have a clip of next week's episode with possibly the most prominent musical theatre director in the world right now. He directed the award winning New Camera Macintosh productions of Les Miserables, Phantom of the Opera, and Miss I Gone. His new musical, School of Rock, has just opened to rave reviews on Broadway. And next week he's appearing here on Inside the West End podcast. It's Lawrence Connor.
0: But when you're dealing with m- big personalities such as Cameron or, or Andrew Lloyd Webber, how do you get over there being any intimidation? Well, you know Cameron Macintosh
1: uh, has been great for me, and you know, he never lets you get away with too much. If you go if you go too crazy, he'll soon grab you by the scruff of the neck and, and pull you back. But I guess the truth is, he also. Need somebody with a vision to, to come in and sort of throw ideas out there so that he can say, yes, that's great, or actually, no, that's not good.